The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in-conversations, international scholarships and on-set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Hi, as you know, I'm Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation and I've got great pleasure in introducing Diane Weller today. Now, before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to elders past and present. I wanna take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since, our, since the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you, they can really help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. And they're fully equipped to assist you. So don't hesitate and um, of course, just contact me if you don't have their uh, correct contact details and I can I can help you uh handing over to you thank you Diane thank you thank you very much hello and welcome everybody and I'm just going to acknowledge that I'm also on Bidjigal and Gadigal land here at Afters so I pay my respects to elders past present and emerging thank you welcome video game acting and what is that exactly well we're going to have a look at it in a very small nutshell over this next hour so I'm going to now share my screen and my slideshow. I'm going to be talking through what video game voicing is about in terms of the voiceover skills that we use for video games because they're different. I, I suppose you know already people who may be already in the voiceover industry, people who are not in the voiceover industry who are actors who are coming into it want to know a little bit about why is a video game voice different from say animation or audio dramas or anything like that. Well, there's a lot of similarities and there are some marked differences. So we'll have a look at those things. We're going to have a look also at auditions and what you do with auditions. We're going to have a look at emotes, which are something that is very particular to the gaming industry. And we're going to do a few of these things ourselves. Now, obviously, I won't be able to hear everybody, but I want you to have a go at home. I'm going to give you a little bit of a theory, uh, some theory ideas that you can have to play with and try some of those exercises at home. So a little bit of a background about me. I actually started as a singer and an actor, but I was a classical singer for some time, as well as musical theatre and various other forms of singing. Plus, um, I went to drama school here in Australia at um, Theatre Nepean University, Western Sydney. And then I left after drama school and went to London. So I was in England for a while. And whilst I was in the UK, I actually was working at the BBC Radio Drama and I was completely fascinated about acting for voice. 
it was kind of like a new world for me because you could do so many different characters with your voice and you can play different roles. And obviously you don't have all the headache of having to go on set and get dressed up and all that sort of hoo-ha. So I thought, wow, I really want to get into that. I ended up moving to Brussels in Belgium where my husband's partner was a was a producer for commercials and got me my first real um, voiceover gig. And that voiceover gig was with Nokia. And I had to play a Hyacinth Bouquet character, if anybody has ever seen that television show, Keeping Up Appearances. So that was really a great character to play. It was a totally different sort of like approach to voiceovering that I thought what voiceover was. So I realized that those skills could be used across the board in the voiceover sort of realm. Skipping over a few years, I ended up getting into video game voicing. Why? Because I was living in the U in Europe, but then I had um, a connection to a company called the Voiceover Network. Now, the Voiceover Network was set up by by somebody who was a, an actor herself, and she was doing voiceovers and wanted to actually strengthen the voiceover industry. And by strengthening that, she wanted to bring producers and casting directors together with voice actors so that they could network a bit and also find meeting points through workshops and conferences and things like that. You know, you could have more of a relationship and this industry is all about networking and relationships basically. So very smart idea of Rachel Naylor's to do that, the voiceover network. And because she was an actor, she was really keen on gaming and very keen on getting into voiceover for gaming. So she bought over a very famous American voiceover for gaming called Dave Fenoy. And he started the first voiceover network gaming workshops that I did. Now, he used to, he was he'd been the voice of many many games, but one of them was um, one of the characters he played was Lee Everett in The Walking Dead, and that opened up a whole new world for me because he explained the gaming industry, and I have never been a gamer, so I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, okay, what is this whole new thing, and explained the fact that the gaming industry is so huge and so popular that a release of a AAA game will make more money than a blockbuster from Hollywood would in a month. I was just like, what? <laughs> that seemed really surprising to me. And how big and huge the industry is. So I had absolutely no idea. And he said, it's really interesting to get involved with the gaming industry from the grassroots up because, you know, you really feel a part of it. Like, film and television and theatre and all those kinds of uh, that side of the industry that we we work in as actors, you know, it's been around for a very long time, yet the gaming industry is relatively new in comparison. So I thought, oh, well, that's a great thing to add on to my skill base. And as actors, we we always want to develop our skills. So um, I thought, yeah, that's that sounds really cool to me. And plus also the fact that you use your acting ability and you have to use your acting ability. You have to have that level of acting to be able to be believable in the world of gaming because of the type of games that are around, which I'll talk about a bit later. Now, um, the scope of the characters is enormous. You know, you've got an enormous plethora of difference in when, you, when it comes to video games. And that's what's also very exciting to be able to play as a character. For instance, you can do something very realistic. I had a friend 
He was doing, he was playing the main role of uh, a character. And the game is all about loss and depression. You know, that he, he was playing a LGBTQ man who had lost his partner and went into a depression. And the whole game was set up around that. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. Because you might come to gaming if you've not been involved in it before, thinking it's just shoot 'em up sort of style things. And of course, there are games around like that, but there are very vast and wide ranging types of material out there that you can be involved in and as I've put there you can do it in your pajamas so yes you can do it remotely you can be all over the world doing a video game wherever you are if you've got your home set up set up you know I've been most of my clients that I work with are actually you know pretty global and I had one experience of doing a video game it's a horror video game for Thailand called Home Sweet Home where I was dubbing the tie into American for the American market. And, you know, one of my actors is in the Ozarks in America. The other one's in Vermont in America. The other character was in England and I was in Belgium and they were in Thailand. So, you know, it's so exciting to be being able to work like that and feel that you're so connected globally with people as well. And I, I really love the idea of that. Of course, you can do it in studio. That video games are often done in the studio as well, but it gives you a lot of possibilities depending on who the, the, the game devs are. Just wanted to go back to um, the progression of video game voicing. So I'm going to show you now an example of really like mm, bad voicing, we could call it. Uh, voicing from video games from way back and some, uh, some original games are out in the market. It's a very short clip to show you what the style was back then. While we're talking about Sega, we've got to mention House of the Dead 2 on the Dreamcast. We're meeting G over there. You can pick any game in the series, but part two is the pinnacle of bad boys acting. James, go and prevent the confusion in the city. Okay. And the thing is, it's all throughout the game. Don't come! Don't come! You don't even have to wait for cutscenes for your ears to be assaulted. They'll do that as you're playing. Please be safe, G. The only thing I can think of when I hear this voice acting is... My God! Thank you for saving my life. James, come quickly! <laughs> People of the AMS, I am Goldman. No! Help me! How could anyone do this? If only I'd noticed sooner. The original sin that man is responsible to. To protect the life cycle. All right, that's a bit of fun. So yeah, the, the gaming industry has radically changed in terms of the quality of the voicing. So I just wanted to show you there was a massive progression from way back until what is current today. So let's have a look at animation versus video games. What is different between the two? Well, as you can see there, you've got a character who's drawn when you get your sides from the producers or from the casting directors you know you get a picture usually and you get some lines to do for your auditions and this gives you a fairly good idea of the kind of feel of the show and the energy is often higher it's more punchy usually and filled with comedy there's lots of comedy in animation it's lighter content usually and also often done in the studio mostly done in the studio in my in my experience. So I did a lot of animation in Brussels being a voiceover actor there. There were not a lot of English speaking voiceover artists. So we were able luckily enough to be able to do everything in terms of the, the different kinds of qualities of voice acting that are around. And so animation was one of those. And we often did it um, in big studios with other actors sometimes. So that 
is a little bit different to what you might find with voiceover acting for video game, which here is a picture of um, uh, a character that, you, that you'll see. And this character, obviously, you can tell from the feel of the picture what this might be, this video game. And you can see also um, that it's obviously going to be something to do with life and death stakes. It's often less comedic. It doesn't mean that there's no comedy in video game. Often there is, but it's less comedic in terms of like every line has to have a sort of laugh in it. Um, it's more drama centric. The scripts are mostly written in Excel form, spreadsheet format. You'll often get those sent to you and then you're working off a spreadsheet rather than working off a script. However, as you can see down the bottom in Leah's scene there, she's got a script. And so you might get both. You might get a script, you might get Excel spreadsheet, and you're working with those two things. So yes, the stakes are definitely higher in video games in terms of life and death scenarios. There's a lot more curse words that are used in video games you get a lot of information from those pictures that are drawn for you and you can either be in the studio or remote often the AAA games or companies like um, uh, blizzard have their own studios in la creative assembly in london and also um, frontier development worked at those ones in the uk they have their own studios set up so you just go in there and then you do your voicing with them there but they might use other studios like side Oh, or Liquid Violet or other places to actually record the video game in with directors. Or you might, with game devs who have less money, which is often the case, they might want to do it remotely with you. So they'll they'll direct you online. And that's kind of a, a lot of the market is with game devs like that. Um, and that's why it's really interesting because it's very global and so you can be anywhere and, you know, it's just about contacting companies and, and networking with them, which I'll mention a bit later in the session. Rarely I've worked with other actors when I've been recording. Um, it's happened a few times, but often you're doing your own lines by yourself. Either the other actors already recorded their lines prior or you're recording yours and then you they'll give your line to the other actor. So sometimes you'll do it together, which is a, a godsend, and I'm hoping that might change. It looks like it has been developing that way um, over these number of years because they do get a better a better result that way, bouncing off each other. So the narrative content is quite advanced. The stories are more sophisticated than animation and they're definitely, definitely more subtle. This is a major um, thing to note when it comes to the differences between the two things. There's all kinds of stories, as I mentioned, there's a much broader range of stories and Genre, uh, genre specific. So trained actors really want to work in this genre as well. Um, I found that a lot of the actors that I've been working with are, you know, actors have been to drama schools or, you know, they've done, definitely done a lot of theatre before. And that's also the same for the directors. A lot of the directors I've worked with are people who, who are, you know, very accomplished actors, people who've done film and television and also theatre. So you have a luxury there because the communication between you and the director is super symbiotic in a way because they know how to talk to you. So it makes it a lot easier. I had a recent experience working with a game dev who'd been directing me in this game for quite some years. And there was also a language barrier there. And um, the results of the first recordings were not as great, let's say that. 
as the final recordings because we actually decided to work with a really good director who who comes from um, theatre. And we were able to get more depth into the character uh, voicing from that sort of perspective. The visuals have developed so much in gaming, like they're really filmic these days, very filmic sort of quality. And so the voices really need to match that. As you can see, the older images are kind of like a bit more, um, less from the standards of now. So you need to have that realism. That's really the normal sort of approach to voicing in video games. Now I'm going to show you an example of some um, people, some friends of mine that I know and have worked with who are examples of good good voice acting in video games. Let's see. I don't know anything about you. I say you got fired from your job and have finally decided to write your novel. That's the sort of bullshit reason you'll find a man out in the woods. I need you to hear me. What you are saying, that he may not turn, is foolish. But... No. It's my home, David. Paid for and in my name. You know the law, right? Have a nice day. Chloe, for once, just please shut up. Bad mojo is in the air this week. Thanks for the warning, Max. It was like dreaming, but I could hear Victor. Don't you see? I don't want saving! Not anymore. Bring the gland back in one piece. Oh, and don't chew on it. One of the students got horribly sick because of that mistake. I know what you must be going through. Really, I do. But I could use your cooperation. Don't we get a sight? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for evil is with me! As long as they keep getting food from them, you'll be safe. I promise. Hagoromo. Hamura. You belong to me. This is my realm. There's nothing you can do. Well done, Mr. Jackson. The rest of you will see you at trial. So, up next. Jeez. It. The dock for Wortham. That whole village has gone to hell. You sure I can't take you someplace else? This is the path to town, then? Aye. Follow the road and be on your guard. Unfortunate things happen to travelers in that forest. Ah, shipmistress Sulkan. I am <clears throat> preoccupied. I doubt it has escaped your attention that we have enemy on board. I thought there were no other survivors. I haven't seen anyone else out here. <laughs> then we are saved. Emir! Emir, make this look easy. Heaven aboard! What's up with you, man? I haven't seen you in ages. Hope you're doing well. Call me back so I know you're not dead. There are clouds in secret waters, shadows, absences. The place you seek is a black space. Cooperate, 
and your executions will be swift and uncomplicated. Choose to go against me, and your final moments in this universe will be exceedingly unpleasant. The Hoikardian Princess. Ah, quite the spectacle, isn't she? She's so, so hot. Oh, now, now, young Andre, you needn't indulge in such improper language. Take all hells! Is that filthy mongrel inside again? She still pines, is all. She misses. I'll give it a reason to pine. Come here, you mutt. Take in my majesty and quail, for I am sick, the imperishable. I do not serve. In the realm of forest and snow, they said Russia could never be tamed. Now they say nothing. They fear me, like a force of nature, a dealer in thunder and death. My name is Tard, and I'm at your service, Inquisitor. My investigation uncovered clues, but no proof. Then, not long after, every warden in Orlais began to hear the calling. Meet me there, and we will find answers. Goodbye, and stay safe. You know I'm a petty thief. Well, perhaps I'll go on the prowl. I might as well fetch some weapons or treasure for you. You are on the next flight back to Miami. Internal affairs are coming down on you, and I'm not going to stop them. You walk out of here and you've crossed the line. I want him stopped. I saw him go into the dungeons. He may still be there. And from the rumors flying through Denerim, removing him from the throne is already your plan, no? Speak clearly. I, Gavlan. Gavlan wants soul. Many, many soul. <laughs> I am a heartless nobleman. Have you not heard? Perhaps we can enjoy a rather more intimate dance later. Gavlan wants soul. Let's hope those terraformers don't wake up before I finish the job, so I can pick you all up. Assuming you find Agent Cyana, and she's still alive. Okay, I'll lead the way. I lost contact with the troopers when they entered the cave over there on the left.
Remember, Recruit, you're part of the Triple O now. Under the wings of the mightiest fleet the galaxy has ever seen. But here, within the Twin Planet system, you're on your own. Um, so that's some actors, Sissy Jones, Stefan Kornikard, uh, Richard Reed, and a little clip of a video game that I've that's coming out very soon uh, that I just did myself. So just showing you a little bit of a different approaches of different styles of different things and how the, the voice acting sort of supports the game. Uh, theoretical approaches. Let's have a look at that. So what does that mean? When you think about building the character, uh, it's the same rules apply really with acting, you know, like who is this person? What is their background? Where do they come from? All of the things that you think about normally with a, with a character, but then also you think a little bit about, you know, vocally how you're going to change those things or adapt those things or put those things into the character. Like you can think about range in terms of pitch, uh, the volume that you might use for that particular character. Maybe they're softly spoken, maybe they're or overall, maybe a very loud character. You saw a lot of differences with the with those examples in all of those characters, with all of these things that are listed here. The tempo, the pace, the rhythm, the stops, the starts. You know, is it somebody who starts really slowly and builds up in rhythm? Somebody who has a very steady rhythm? Someone who has a broken rhythm? A melody inflection, you know, somebody who uses a lot of melody or maybe they're just completely monotonal. They don't talk at all except on just one level the whole time. An extended technique is more looking at the life, the pre-life, which I'm going to talk about. Um, as you might have seen in the videos, there's a lot of feeling of naturalism in those deliveries, like, you know, laughter, crying, things like that. So all of the life that needs to be in there and the, arranging all of that into your character. In terms of pre-life, breathing is really a key issue, like trying to bring in breathing into your character is a vital essential important point so you know keeping those breaths in there making sure they're audible enough and subtle enough to be believable rather than too over the top so keeping that sense of um the fear and things like that and crying and ex excitement all of those emotive feelings that we bring into audio dramas and and uh, voiceover acting, you know, keeping that in there. And sometimes pre-life, you can ad lib, meaning, you know, you've got, you've got a line and, you know, I don't know where he is. Instead of saying, I don't know where he is, you can have this, I don't know, I don't know where he is. And it can help you get into that, into that line and change the line up and give the right sentiment. So as well as um, the crying, the laughing, a little bit of ad lib before to help you get into your lines that you can cut off later if they don't want it. But it's also an option for you to bring into your auditions. And um, movement is really important in any VO. 
especially in video games and audio dramas. I think I saw a clip of uh, Hugh Jackman doing Wolverine where he's in a studio doing some recording and he was literally running on the spot. And that's kind of the essential. Like when you're in a running scene and a lot of these video games, you have a lot of running. Yeah, try and be as real as you can in the box, you know, like literally move your arms and pretend to run or even get up and, and run really, really quietly and softly. So it's a little bit of a juggle physically with not making too much noise. So you're not going to get picked up by the mic, but you need to give that sense of energy in your recordings. So that's um, a vital thing to do. And yeah, your hands, obviously you can see me there. I'm moving my hands around. That really helps me get into the moment and into the scene. So you know, I, I tend to find that the more exaggerated your um, hand movements are, it will really, really help in in getting the intention out, okay? And staying connected is important and essential in this, as we mentioned, because the realism is so essential. So that will drive all of those factors, get you to the point of, you know, the good delivery. Uh, there's other methods that we can use for character voicing, which we're going to have a quick look at. I have two documents here that can also help you when you're doing your auditions that can, when you get a character brief and you think, okay, this character's like this and you just come up with some ideas, but you can also use sort of theory-based ideas like this. So if you can see that there, column A is some ways of doing something, some sentiments like a hip person, a manipulative person, somebody who's sarcastic, somebody who's, you know, um, sweet. And then you can match that up on the other side with column B. So you might have a really sweet grandmother or you might have a really sweet hillbilly, which could be very funny if you were going for the comedy element. Um, you might have a very joyful squirrel. And if you have to do multiple takes of different of the character for auditions, this can really help you find, you know, a different way of presenting the character, which the casting directors and voice directors might not have thought about before. And it might, you might not have thought about because you might think, okay, this is the character. I've got this one idea, but then this gives you options to choose from there. And then in terms of looking at how you're going to deliver it, you've got various options here in terms of where you're placing your voice in terms of like, is it higher than your own? Is it lower than your own? Is it a monotonal tone that's high, low, is it a wider range than what you would usually speak in? Is it varying pitches? And so on and so forth. And then you've got characteristics. Is it a breathy tone? And then you can build on all of these things that you see here to create that character, the way that they sound. Um, are they clear? Are they velvety? Are they really smooth? You know, all that kind of stuff. Are they, you know, sort of like grovelly down here, speaking down there like that? husky voice, uh, or et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. Um, Tempo-wise, are they faster than your own? Are they slower than your own? Are they quick then slow? So, yes, are they slow motion? Um, rhythms, bouncy, plodding, looping, sporadic, uh, a broken rhythm, a choppy rhythm, like a machine gun talker. I had a character that was that I used a machine gun sort of idea for that character because it was a sort of autistic person, very heady, um, an engineer, and, uh, you know, that sort of idea of, of machine gun really helped me um, come up with the idea of that particular character. So, yeah, there's various ways that you can look at it from a theoretical point of view as well when you're building the voices that you want to um, 
to build. So auditions, I'm going to move on to auditions. I'm going to play an audition of something that I did. Now, um, have a listen to it and then we'll we'll break it down. Basically, the most important thing with auditions are, as you'll see, as this is playing out, I've made a couple of notes on the actual um, screen for you. When you're doing an audition and you get the sides, you often don't get a lot of lines. So if you've only got, and I've only cut this down because there's only two lines that I'm using, but what I wanted to illustrate is when you do your takes, make sure that if you're doing your first line and you're doing multiple versions of that line, cut that up with the second line that's coming. So you've got a grouping of the lines together. They don't want to hear you doing five versions of line one, five versions of line two, et cetera, et cetera. They only really want two versions that are different. Now, if you really want to do a third version, but it has to be great and something really removed from what you did previously. So I'll give you a bit of a um, an idea of how that goes. Oh, Miss Douglas, over here. Is it true? Please tell me that it's just another awful prank. That Bradley Dawson is still alive? Oh, I apologise. My, my name is Alison Soto. I can't believe it. Bradley was my mentor for the past year. He was helping me with my poetry. Oh, Miss Douglas, over here. Is it true? Please tell me that it's just another awful prank and Bradley Dawson is still alive. Oh, I apologise. My name is Alison Zotto. I, I can't believe it. Bradley was my mentor for the past year. He was helping me with my poetry. Now, in that, in those takes, there's a lot of stop starts and there's a lot of hesitations um, and repeats. So that's something that I learned from Dave. He said, yeah, put all that in there because that gives you life. I mean, it can't be too distracting, but it's got to feel naturalistic. And if they want it, they'll say they want it. If they don't, they'll cut it out and they get you to do another take. But it gives you a lot of um, uh, realism in the takes that you do. So I really would suggest to go with some of that. Um, Emotes. Now, emotes are very important, really important part of video game, and it can be a make or break of getting the job or not, because emotes are kind of used in most video games, and they're in various different forms. As you can see here, I've got a couple of cutouts of emotes that were sent to me to do for a video game. And you can see that they're very, very different. The first one here, which is a 41.5, says shout when normal attack. And they want you to record five different sounds of that. Then they wanted you to record uh, shout when under attack light and then heavy. So they're very different. And they wanted you to record five different sounds of that. Now, how do we do a, emotes? Ah, okay. So, um, a very good idea is to use an A-E-I-O-U method. So when anybody like punches you, if you get punched, okay, so the, the emote is being punched in the stomach. You go, oh, and then if you do, they said, oh, we went on a different version. You go, mm, how do I do that? Well, you can come up with or or or. So, okay, that's pretty bad of me. But anyway, that gives you an idea of <laughs> um, using the vowel sounds to make the sounds a little bit different. And it really does help. You use the AEIOU method to help you make those emotes a little bit different every single time, accompanied with 
Oh, yes. Emotions, uh, pitches and lengths and breaths. And just have to think about the heightened emotion. Now, other kinds of emotes, you'll get things like being angry, you know, mad. So you might have to give different things of being mad, like, for instance, like, mm, that's one. And then greet might be, hmm, or thinking might be, hmm. And then suspect is like, mm-hmm. Or confirm might be, hmm. Or deny, mm-mm. Sad might be, mm. Happy might be, <laughs> So they're emotes. That's a kind of example of what we're talking about when we're talking about emotes. And then, you know, you might get to have to do five different versions of that that they will use in the video game because obviously they use a lot of these. Now, here's an example of somebody doing an audition for, it's Gabrielle, um, doing an audition using um, like a greet idea that she improvised. Hey, psst, stranger, here. Well, howdy doody, stranger. Hey, stranger. Let's work together. Hey, psst, over here, stranger, psst, this way. All right, that's a that's emote. So now you've got, on top of that, all of these characters that are really common in games like zombies, imps, beasts, and so on and so forth. So um, you often have to do emotes on those, and they're quite specified. So I'm going to show you a little example of one. Um, th that I've recorded here. Zombies, Diane Weller, standing and waiting for battle. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> Running into battle. That's one. <laughs> Take two. Take three. Attacking opponent. Uh, two. Take three. <laughs> Defeating opponent. <coughs> Two. <laughs> and three. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to move on from there. Um, Yes, there's a lot of that in there. So if you get to do emotes, then make sure that you ask your voice directors um, or the devs that you're working with to do them at the end of your session because, as you can hear them, they're quite vocally taxing and you have to look after yourself. Make sure that you only do a four-hour session at a time. Yes, less is more um, with voicing video games because it's quite heavy duty on your voice. Now, I was going to do this session, this little exercise with you, but I see we're nearly out of time and need to do our Q&A pretty much coming up. So have a look at that if you want to take a little screenshot of it, but you can have a practice of coming up with ideas for demons, beasts, imps, sprites, and zombies, and give a short, long, heavy version of all of those different things that you might be doing as you just previously heard about. Castings. So where do you go for castings? That's the thing everybody wants to know. In my experience, a lot of it came from going on workshops 
A lot of it came from workshops such as um, I told you about the voiceover network, and then they have get your game on that they do in you what they do it in the states and they do it in England twice a year. I've had people come from all over the world to even go and do that. It's quite fun and you get to meet some really great people in the gaming industry and directors and casting directors there who you can build relationships with and then they can work with you because they will do things remotely. VO Atlanta is a huge voiceover conference that's happening in Atlanta once a year. It's an amazing conference about everything to do with voiceover and equally I did the same thing there. I did a lot of voicing for video games and met some big casting directors at that event. Um, now Facebook groups, there's a load of Facebook groups for game devs that you can join up and meet up and say hello to etc. If you're playing on Twitch, it's a great way to do it. If you're a Twitch member and you can sort of like feel out your, um, the people that you like there and you might want to associate yourself with. Twitter, I forgot to put the Twitter one. Twitter is really important for video games. It's where a lot of people do get castings and a lot of people do get work from that. Now, the big ones, the big gaming conferences are PAX here in Australia and then Gamescom in Cologne and GDC in uh, San Fran. So they're big things you can go to, you can network. It's all about meeting people really and just being really passionate and, um, yeah, because they are amazing people, the video game industry, and they're really open to um, meeting new people. Uh, other VO friends, you know, if you if you know VO friends who are doing video games, you know, support each other. Agents, of course, if you've got an agent and you say, I really want to do video games, how do I do it? Do you know people, et cetera, et cetera. Being involved in the industry is um, essential. So going to game dev meetups is, is something you can do because then they get to know you. That's how a, a group of my friends sort of started in London. They ended up um, formulating the BAFTA crew, which is uh, now its own award itself with you know various different voiceovers and um, voice directors and people in gaming who come together and and they um, have like it's like a BAFTA award or they have it for the video games as well in the UK so yeah it can be a growing industry we can be responsible ourselves in our own country for building our own networks here and I think that's really exciting what is a casting director looking for? Realism, versatility, vocal ability, directability of course and creativity which goes without saying so now we've come to the end of that. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and just see where we are with questions at Diane. this point. In Hi, Diane. It's Alex here. Look, we've got a few questions. So I'll just sort of work my way through. Um, here is when casting asks for a different take, do you change the voice in the different takes or change the character's need, objective, and keep the same voice? Well, I think um, if you've gone for a choice for the character, then I would definitely try and give a different emotional, um, uh, a different emotional sort of attack on that for the secondary voice that you might be doing for your secondary take. However, it's okay to also give a third take that could be totally left field. You know what I mean? Like I, I think everything can work. It just depends. They're going to be listening to the first take. If they like that first take, they'll probably listen to the second take. Now, if they don't like the first take, you won't even get a chance to do that. So be risky. If you really think your third take, which is what you really wanted to go with, is where you wanted to take that character, then just go for that, you know? Are emotes different from efforts? Same thing. Mm -hmm. no. No, they can be called emotes or efforts. It's kind of same deal, really. Is the level of realism different if you're auditioning for something like a JRPG 
which is often more similar to anime. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I've done anime. I think it's, I think it's pretty similar, to be honest with you, because anime has become very sophisticated. I would probably, you can do two different takes, obviously. If you want to do an anime voice that is, depends on the age, depends on the character. You know, I did a mum voice for an anime and, um, and my character voice was very much mum, you know. I used video game sort of construct and created that character that way. Any advice on how to get into the video game voiceover industry? Oh, from, from the grassroots? Yes. Well, as I mentioned before, I, I actually studied. I did a couple of um, workshops and I found that was very important for me because even though I'm a, an actor who's been doing acting for ages, like years, like nearly 15 years, probably 17 years at the time, and I'd done voiceover equally probably the same amount of time. It's just different, you know, and I think what's really great about doing a few workshops is you build up relationships with people as well. And it's a, it's not only about learning skills, but it's also about the networking. So I find doing the workshops is really useful because it, then you're being introduced. If you've never done voiceover before, or you've never done video games before, I think you need to learn some skills. Yeah, I did. And it was amazing for me personally then of course like as I mentioned um going to meet game devs you know like if you've never done a triple a game I mean it is hard to get into the triple a games but it's not impossible um so it's about those people uh, meeting you who are the who are the casting directors there and who's to say that you know if you don't send them a really cracking reel they're not going to not listen to it you know they just might not get back to you for ages but they may well do and go, oh, wow. You know, I was talking to um, Andrea from Blizzard and she had a character that she was trying to fill for an older lady, like in her 80s. And this character, it just came across her desk, for instance, you know, and she listened to it. And she's been working with that woman for ages who goes to all the comic cons and stuff like that. Um, she was just a she was just at the right time in front of her ears. <laughs> Uh, and she was able to, you know, have a pretty good career out of, you know, voicing for Blizzard, which is pretty great. What about um, your home studio setups? Do you, um, uh, or can you use your resources like a library or recording studios for the demo? Demos now, that's very important. So there's a bit of a, con well, not a confusion, but there's a conversation about um, whether you use sound in your demos or you just use voice some studio directors like just voice you know do they want to hear your real uh interpretations of the characters yet others they want to feel that you're in the game so that means you need to have all the sound and all the effects of the place that you're in um, that's what I did with my video game I actually worked with a fellow Aussie who was another voice actor who was pretty good on he was pretty good on the engineering side of things. And we, I wrote the scripts myself uh, after doing a workshop and then recorded them. I went and took them to my coach and showed them to him. And then he gave me some notes and then I re-recorded after I got those notes. And, and then I, um, I worked on the soundscape with um, my, my friend, my Aussie buddy who did that for me. And that video game, uh reel that I did got got nominated for an award so you know it is possible to do it that way 
you can go to people who do them for you, like the people who actually make a video game reel for you, who are set up to do that. I don't know anybody here yet, but I know somebody who probably will know. Um, so my website's um, on the last slide. So you can, you can ping me a message about that and I can get that information to you if you need to. Um, there was a specific question about your personal studio setup. So if you've got time to answer that, I don't know whether that's something you want to answer now. Yeah, or... your personal studio setup, you need to have a professional setup. If you want to work in video games or VO in general, you really need to have a professional studio setup. I, I would not recommend doing it under a duvet. I did that also for years. You really need a pro mic. You need to have the pro specs. And if you're going to be doing video game voicing with people around the globe, you also need to have a way that they can come in like Source Connect or something like that, or they might send you links. So you do need to invest in that. I would definitely recommend it. Otherwise, if you think, think it's too expensive for you, because you can do it fairly cheaply. I mean, I made my own box myself with my husband. We got some insulation, we got some wood, we put it all together not so big and you can buy a really good kit from um uh road you know a road microphone scarlet uh a scarlet sort of uh interface that hooks up to your computer and you need to have a software so you can get free ones like reaper or audition um or you can buy others um other kind of uh software that you need but you will need to have that sorted and you will need to work out how to do all of that but it doesn't take a lot of time to learn i must say you mentioned genre specific actors do actors make those choices that's based on the voice type or acting preferences um well i was more talking about genre specific video game video games that so genre specific sort of like uh games that are more um uh, sort of like war games or something that's more about the personal side of things. And th that's what I was kind of meaning in terms of the games themselves. So the actors need to be thinking about their character relating to those kinds of, those kinds of games. So for instance, you might have games that are more um, shoot them up games like Call of Duty. Yeah. That's kind of a genre in itself. And then you might have games that are more storytelling games, and do reels need to have the video as well, or will it still be considered if you have just the audio? For your reel? Yes, a reel and presumably yeah. also for auditioning. Yeah, no, for your reel, you need to have audio. I mean, obviously it would be great if you had a video, but I think if you're starting out, you just need to have a good audio reel because then you get the jobs and once you've got the jobs, you get the clips and then you can make your reel as you've seen. And in your reel, would you just put a few characters and some emotes? What does it consist yeah. of? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. As you saw, I think uh, Sissy's is a really good example of a reel and Richard's is a really good example. Of, they're all good examples. But you specifically have on her reel little shortcuts of scenes. She's also got where they came from on that clip. And then at the end, she's got her little emote uh, film that she did with, a, with a, um, the character who's jumping around and hitting something. Now, but Dan, anyway, what about who do you recommend for coaching? Are there any opportunities for actors to follow up on this? Yes, well, funnily, you should say that. <laughs> I'm actually in talks with actors here and we're going to set up uh, doing a introduction to video game voicing two-day workshop here at Afters. And I don't know the market here very well because I've only just come back from overseas. I 
think Amy Smith might be around doing some coaching, who's an, another Aussie voiceover actor who does uh, a lot of video games. I can check that out if anybody has any um, questions about that. And other than that, then you can go online and coach with people overseas as well. If you want some information on that, I can give it. But I would really recommend doing it face-to-face with somebody um, to start with. Uh, it's just more immediate, I guess. And look, before I jump back, go back to you, Diane, there's about pay. What sort of pay can you expect for doing a lead or a support character in a game? Well, that's really a good question because it's it's a bit cowboy land still. It, it's not really specific. I mean, I think the best thing to do is have a good group, support group of actors that you know who work in the genre. And if you can negotiate fees around that. It's, I mean specifically because if you have agents and you're doing AAA games, then that's all set up and done for you. But, I mean, I've done a lot of game dev stuff and I know a lot of my friends who've done both AAA and game dev stuff who still have to negotiate price. So um, it varies, I think, from from dev to dev and game to game. But around about $250 an hour is kind of... Um, what is a bit of a standard price, I would say. Well, Diane, this is fantastic. I I had said to Diane that we haven't done anything on this before, so it's been the most fantastic opportunity. And we're doing part two next Wednesday. And Diane will be working with um, some actors who will have some scenes and directing them. So I'll send you the links to everyone so stand by for that. And I just want to say a very, very sincere thanks to Diane uh, because this has been fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for coming. <laughs> Thank you, Diane. I just want to say the last thing I wanted to say was, listen, you can be doing this at any age. That's the beauty of it. That was one of the reasons I got into this. I thought, well, I can still be an old actor and I can still voice a fish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, Sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast, brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow.